The same old arguments, the same old cycle. In the marriage counseling world, we call these negative interaction cycles. The topic or concern or issue may change, but it's usually the same pattern. One spouse is more demanding or trying to get a response, and the other avoids or dismisses or withdraws. And then it escalates from there. Today, we're going to help you get started on breaking out of this pattern. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to OYF.support. Once again, that website is OYF.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have another marriage-changing episode for you this week. This is episode number 204, and today we're going to be talking about negative interaction cycles. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed showing honor to your wife. Obviously, that one's more for husbands, but good for both of us to listen to. It's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And as always, if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound, research-based advice. It's part of what sets our podcast apart, not just opinion. Most of all, we offer hope. Let's get into the topic of breaking out of the same old arguments for Linda. Okay. Pretty much in uh, across all marriages, there's just three kinds of cycles, which is, I always find that stuff kind of funny that uh, you can- We're all so similar. There's pretty much three buckets, yeah. Hmm. Now, the most common is what we mentioned in our intro. One spouse is pursue or demanding- or attacking, pursuing, I should say. The other spouse is typically avoiding, dismissive, or withdrawing, sometimes called the attack withdraw or the demand withdraw cycle. That's the first kind. The second, and we'll break these down in a moment here, the second is where both spouses are typically attacking. Okay. The third is where both spouses avoid. So let's get into these. Uh, the first one, demanding and withdrawing. Mm-hmm. Now, in this form, one spouse, classically the wife, and I, I just mean that in the sense of, uh, I think demographically, it's most common this way. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, occasionally, though, I do see it in reverse where the husband is the pursuer, but the, classically the wife tries to engage in a discussion about an issue that's important to her mm-hmm. or to him if it's husband, right? And they'll typically make demands or apply pressure and the automatic response of the other spouse is to avoid or dismiss or withdraw from the discussion. Not necessarily mm-hmm. even physically, but just yeah. go quiet even like kind of shut down a bit. go into my shell, right? And of course, this often leads to escalation because the demanding spouse feels ignored or unheard and so as to resort to increasingly strong forms of attack in order to try to break through to defenses. Mm-hmm. As I often tell couples, you know, like if if you don't say anything back to her, then she's going to feel like she's not being heard. So she needs to turn up the volume mm-hmm. and you're prompting her to do that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the withdrawing spouse in the face of an intensified attack will often double down on the defense and withdraw even more often just stonewalling the attacker, sometimes uh-huh. even just physically withdrawing. I'm going out to the garage. This is, okay, ho- this is a waste of time. Yeah. That kind of thing, right? So often this will continue until either the attacker gives up, which is a profoundly lonely moment for him or her, mm-hmm. or until the withdrawer either completely leaves or else explodes. Mm-hmm. This can happen not even in conflict. Okay. But like if I say something and I don't get acknowledged... Then like I say it louder, I say it stronger, I say it in a way with like more words to try and get through. And then often you'll be like, yeah, I heard you the first time. 
And then I feel stupid for having this rant at you. But it's because there was no response. No acknowledgement the first time. Yeah. Yes. So just that acknowledgement is so important. Right. It's the the need to be heard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so this style of conflict is not good for marital satisfaction. Yeah, no surprise there. No. No. Now the attack attack or the mutually hostile approach. In this one, typically both spouses are pursuers or attackers. Whatever word seems more appropriate is fine. So maybe you respond to criticism with return criticism uh, with maybe even a conscious or a subconscious agenda to provoke an angry response. Oh. Okay, you want to do this? Let's do this, right? (laughs) Uh As you might expect, this often escalates and usually just becomes an anger venting cathartic experience rather than one that actually solves problems and resolves conflict. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. It just kind of gets louder and bigger and... Yeah, in one sense, you get some relief because you're both screaming your head off in the kitchen, right? Okay. Uh, But you're freaking the kids out, uh, becoming a case study for the neighbors and and usually not resolving anything. (laughs) And not only that, but it can really actually be terrifying for one of both spouses underneath too. Yeah. the, The good news is it's actually easier to break out of this than the more common pattern that we just started with, the pursue withdraw pattern or the demand withdraw pattern. Yeah, because you already have two spouses that want to express themselves and that's a good place to start Mm, from. That's helpful. Yeah, okay. And they want to work on the issue at hand. So they're, they're ready to, you know, have at her. Yeah. Right. But it, it just simply becomes a matter of figuring out a more productive way to do so. Because this same old. It's not actually working. Right. Otherwise. Apart from the catharsis. Okay. And then the third style is when you go on the flip side, which is avoid, avoid. That's where both spouses are avoiding or both spouses are just naturally withdrawers. And in this situation, there's, there's often no major conflict overt conflict. Uh, There's no screaming matches, but typically nothing ever gets resolved. Okay. Uh, Unfortunately, this leads to a buildup of resentment as all these unresolved issues grow and grow. Yeah, but you can't avoid forever. Like, obviously, I'm not the avoider, but... Yeah, so this is the common pattern. So eventually someone might... blow up eventually? Someone might, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, okay, so we cover that, yeah. Now, it's important to note that from these three styles, your style may change as an individual or as a couple. So for example, if you started out your marriage, avoid, avoid, you may eventually find one person transitions to pursuing. Okay. Or maybe both of you get so frustrated with avoiding that you become mutually hostile. Now, the most common pattern that I see in the demand withdraw cycle, so that's or the most common change to the most common pattern, okay? <laughs> yeah, okay. Is the pursuer or the attacker gets burnt out. And then they often come into therapy as an avoid-avoid situation. And and initially, it looks like you have two withdrawers sitting mm-hmm. there and nobody's really kind of getting going anymore. But when we do our history, our assessment work at the start, you begin to see that, okay, one person used to be the demand person. Okay. So they used to have the demand withdrawal, but then eventually they just got burnt out because it wasn't working. They kind of gave up and they just accepted this was how marriage was going to be or okay. else just accepted the idea that it was futile. Maybe it was that they didn't like it, but they didn't feel that they had a choice. It wasn't like they've accepted. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, the look on your face, I don't think you even understand well, it's the what same, I'm saying. No, it's the same thing. Well, no, because sometimes I might stop, but not accept it in the slightest. No, but you've resolved something to stop. So in that sense, you have accepted it, that it's not working. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the withdrawal, okay, because I'm done trying to pursue this one. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, this is good. We're kind of modeling this for people as we (laughs) go through here. Good. So glad we can help them out. Your body language is very close, by the way. Now, ouch, that's me getting kicked under the table. (laughs) This is why we don't do video podcasts, people. Okay, 
Okay, so the pursuer just got burnt out, but they completely accepted it. Apparently. I'm sure it'll come back later, though. (laughs) Now, so all these cycles are more common in couples whose marriage is distressed. Fair enough. Yeah. And also, here's the the kind of the, the point we need to note. Each of these cycles creates further distress in the marriage. Right. So they're not working. Yeah, which, I can understand that. Yeah. Like nothing gets resolved. Nothing gets finished. It's just... Right. Mm-hmm. Now, just kind of a sidebar here on how to get more detail on this. Typically in our shows, we're aiming for that 25-minute mark, and we're on track for that, I think, today. So we're going to give you some of the core ideas of what you can do to break out of these patterns in the show. But if you want to drill down into detailed tactics on breaking out of these patterns, then our bonus guide for today's episode will show you how to do that. And you can get that bonus guide by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We will take a 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were having an argument. I mean, (laughs) my wife was pursuing, but I stayed engaged. We were talking about the styles of conflict in these same old patterns. Now let's talk about uh, how to how to break out of these things for Linda. Okay. First by looking at the wider context of marriage and then uh, let's do some specific skills. Okay? okay. Now the first thing is, is and this was really interesting to me, is thinking about power imbalances. So some researchers in 93, they looked into this demand withdrawal cycle. They made the argument that the demand withdrawal cycle, the most common kind, is particularly likely if there's an imbalance of power in the marriage. So, for example, if the husband has more decision-making power in the marriage, then he will not be motivated to change anything. So he'll naturally withdraw when the wife raises an issue that she wants him to change. Like, he doesn't have to fight for his position because he already owns it in his head. Mm. So he's, huh, whatever, with his arms crossed and silent. Because he's already mm. he's already got this cat in the bag, right? And she's fighting for some voice. Huh. Okay. So that means, you know, when I come at you with an issue, it's your fault to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right? Our next episode is on manipulative thinking. <laughs> now, on the other hand, if you're, if, um, or not on the other hand, but on the other side, if your wife has less power, it means that trying to engage you in conflict may be the only way she can get her needs met. Like when you both get activated enough that she gets heard. Okay. So just developing a more equal relationship, like really watching that piece and a collaborative mindset on things that can help resolve this. Hmm. Makes sense. And yeah, I'm, not, I guess so. I'm not talking about like power and control issue. I'm just talking about like if you came from a slightly patriarchal family, yeah, like we're not talking yeah. abuse or anything here, but you just like you make the decisions about the major purchases mm-hmm. and you just kind of been dismissing something your wife has been asking for. 
mm-hmm. that kind of stuff or don't you think that's just personality like some people just don't care about others and are completely dismissive it could be yeah selfishness is yeah. at the root of this but it really is playing out here as a power imbalance right okay or it's like uh if your wife is a stay-at-home mom and you go to work and you decide the holiday times so there's a power imbalance because it's your work and your holidays mm. and there's not really a shared sense of okay how are we both doing do either of us need a holiday do we give equal weight to that because you're working as hard at home as i am at work okay okay right so these it's just little subtle thinking stuff that can get you off kilter here hmm. so I guess the takeaway on that one is if you see your your spouse coming at you on something, just kind of pause for a moment and think, okay, is there a power imbalance in my favor here that this might be a protest? Okay, but that's not going to go well at the time. Because if I come at you with something and you're thinking off in your brain, wondering if there's a power balance. It looks like withdrawing. It looks like withdrawing and I'm going to come at you harder. Like So then just give voice to that to say, okay, hang on. I just need to think through this, but I want to hear you. Exactly. Like just acknowledge that you've heard what was said. Yes. Yes. I heard you right there. (laughs) It's because I was swinging my arms in your face. I know. I was trying to not get karate chopped on the neck. Now, there may also be resentment and unresolved issues. So this is another thing that might be happening. If there's many grievances that have been left unresolved or if one spouse perceives the marriage as unfair overall in some way, then resentment's likely to build. Now, resentment itself is likely to make you as a couple use more negative conflict styles. Because I'm already irritated with you. Yes, because there's a base level of frustration. Okay. Addressing those past issues. And this is where, you know... I think some of us can get get into our Pollyanna boat and we just, you know, let's look forward to what's ahead, honey, and just let's turn over a new leaf and forget what's behind us. We can't Mm -hmm. figure all that out. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes you may need to address these past issues and solve complaints as they're coming up, even like just kind of staying on top of stuff. That can be a helpful way to to avoid negative cycles. Don't let things build up, right? Okay, yeah. And if there's stuff you really haven't addressed, you need to get to it. And if you guys can't get through it, that's a great time to consider hiring a marriage therapist. Mm -hmm. And then finally, consider attributions. We've talked about attributions before. I always find them fascinating. I can't remember what they are. It's the meaning you attribute to your spouse's actions. Oh, okay. Yes. That's going to have an impact on what kind of conflict interaction you're likely to resort to. So interpreting your spouse's actions negatively can increase hostility and the likelihood of using negative conflict cycles. So if I just think ill, if I interpret it negatively, whatever you've done, mm-hmm. I'm more likely to start into a dysfunctional response. Right. Or, an or unhelpful. a harsh startup or... Right. Okay. Yeah. So if your husband comes home late, misses dinner, if you as the wife interpret this as he's thoughtless and doesn't care about keeping his promises... I don't matter to him, then that makes conflict much more likely when you're going to mm-hmm. come out of that place. Yeah. But if you interpret the same situation as he was probably caught in traffic, it's much less likely to lead to conflict. Now, this is before you've, you know, this is the moment coming in the door before you've had a chance to talk about it, right? Right. Maybe he is thoughtless. Yeah, but I think I think here, though, you have to look at the pattern versus a one-time thing. Like, you know what? If you're home late one time, it's like, yeah, okay, he was caught in traffic or even a couple times. But if you miss supper for weeks on end, right? Like, there's obviously something more here. But again, what's the attribution? See, I'm guessing that from your facial mm-hmm. indicators that the attribution is negative. But what if what if he genuinely has not realized that uh, he's taken a little bit more responsibility in this one area and it's gotten ahead of him? 
well, he just hasn't planned for it. And you guys haven't talked about it. That's and, where the conversation has to take place. Like if you're going to be late home from now on, maybe you need to have that conversation. Like, can we have supper half an hour later so that yeah. I can eat with you? Yeah. Or So then it's instead of, I guess I'm just saying just because it's more of a pattern doesn't mean it's more likely to be negative, right? So you still have to have the conversation like you're saying. Yeah. No, I'm struggling with that one because I mean, maybe it's just this whole late for dinner thing. Not you, but I know of somebody and they have no care if they're two hours late for a dinner invite or one hour late or, you know, right. and so that, that be bugs hard to, me. Yeah. It'd be hard to not interpret that as downright disrespectful, especially if it's habitual. Exactly. Like if it's a one-time thing, like, yeah, it's embarrassing to show up late and I'm sorry. Right. Traffic was bad. Right. Yes. Give the person the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. But we also, like you always say, you need to go with your gut. Yes. So I think maybe what you're driving at is I'm not saying there's no accountability here. Okay. But again, coming back to what you suggested, like have the conversation. Has your work changed? Like, you know, I can do supper half an hour later. Mm -hmm. Let's just plan for it instead of it being late and a problem every day because I don't like how that starts our evenings off. Yeah, exactly. Like I'd rather you felt relaxed coming home and I felt relaxed about you getting home. Mm -hmm. But what's going on? Mm -hmm. Does that work? Yeah, that would work for me. Absolutely. So conversation and then still thinking about attributions, right? Yeah. So that can help you break out of negative cycles as well. Yeah. Now, two kind of major areas, and these are two different approaches to conflict resolution that are skills. Now, the first conflict resolution skill set is under emotion-focused couples therapy, and that's the treatment methodology of choice at Only You Forever for our marriage therapist. In fact, this approach is so effective that I will not hire a marriage therapist unless they're trained in it. EFCT is very effective in helping couples identify and break out of these negative interaction cycles. So here's the key points as to how that works. First, identify the cycle and then see the cycle as the problem rather than each other. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we do this, that's the problem, not you're You're not the problem. Yeah. Second, identify and express the underlying emotions, the unmet needs, which are trying to be expressed through the conflict. Mm -hmm. Hard to do, Mm -hmm. not immediately obvious, but they're always there. And especially if your emotions are high and you're Yes. And then third, each spouse accepting the other's experience, their perspective. So that's acknowledging those deeper emotions and needs. Oh, that's hard. Yep. Number four, express needs in relation to the original conflict so that you now begin to restructure the cycle of interaction based on these new perspectives, new emotions. You have different information now. So is this all in like the one cycle you're going through all this to de-escalate or is this long term? This takes some work. Okay. So when okay. I when I do this with couples or one of our marriage therapists does this with couples, we just kind of identify how the pattern goes. We actually map this, draw this whole thing out, show it to them. Okay. So you can, you can actually see what's going on. And then, you know, we get to those underlying things. And now it's like, okay, if that's actually what's going on, instead of just the angry attacker that you're seeing up here, but she actually really wants to feel connected with you, then how can you respond to that desire for connection? And typically it's like, well... I'd love to feel more connected to you too, right? Mm. And that's when you start to have the transformational moments. Okay. Because you form, this is the fifth step, you form new ways of dealing with conflict based on these new perspectives because you have this deeper data. Okay. Now, as we touched on earlier, these are covered in, in more detail in today's bonus content. If you really wish to learn how to do this in your own in marriage, head on over to our website at onlyyouforever.com. Go to the marriage counseling link at the top of the page. 
And one of our specialized marriage therapists will be happy to work with you guys. So that's Mm. EFCT conflict resolution skills. Now there's another approach out of a CBT perspective, which also is effective. This involves learning new skills to express your own needs more effectively and also helps you get better at supporting your spouse rather than making things worse for them. So these are pretty tactical points here. The first one is finding ways to express stress and frustration more effectively without coming across as hostile or blaming. So for example, I use statements. When you do X, I feel Y. Okay. Second, learning to observe and recognize your spouse's emotional state. Often we're just kind of paying attention to our own side of the argument and what we want. But this is actually in the conflict. You're going to pay attention to your spouse's. Look at their verbal and nonverbal cues to identify when they're stressed or when you've upset them. So you begin to connect to their experience. Yeah, but don't you think if someone's like in your face, loud, pursuing, that you're going to notice their emotional state? Yeah, but uh, so this is touching that in two different ways. One is being more attuned to them. So you're catching it before they're at that place. Okay. So you're getting it earlier on and then escaping the cycle that way. Or two, when you're in the moment, going to the emotion that's in behind more as well. So you're angry because you're scared that I'm going to leave you and our marriage is going to, or not, maybe it's like, let's go back to our getting home late from work. You're scared that I'm going to, that you're going to become unimportant to me because my work keeps taking over our lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's have a conversation about that. Third, learning individual and joint coping skills, such as learning how to calm your spouse down. I want to say that carefully, not just like, you know, placating them, but... Okay. Just like, let's do, let's, okay, we're stressed out. Let's go do whatever we do to help us relieve stress. Learning how to manage that stress yourself so that you can respond more calmly during conflict and de-escalation situations. So just finding the right times and places and knowing what to do to help each other. And then becoming more aware of your own thought processes. Examine your own assumptions, your own interpretations, your emotions before you speak and act based on them. Mm, That's the attributions part. Yes. It gives you the choice of whether to act based on impulse that might escalate conflict or whether to say, okay, how do I act in a way that prioritizes the marriage? So that we're working more based on helping us rather than me here in this scenario. Now, a couple of researchers examined these two approaches, the second one that we just covered, the problem-solving skills with CBT or the EFCT at the start, and they found that both were effective in reducing marital discord and conflict, and both were effective in increasing intimacy, but they noted that the EFCT approach was significantly better. So that's why we're a fan of this, like learning to spot the cycles, understand the underlying needs and emotions, that is the best way to resolve conflict. But then these other communications and coping skills, they can help as well. Okay. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Thank you to Monica and also Brad for becoming patrons between this recording and our previous one. And uh, thank you to all our supporters again who so loyally support us each month. Oh, we have an iTunes review. From Canada. Says, if you're looking for a Christian marriage podcast, this is it. Five stars by Brooke Lazor. I just can't say enough about how much I adore this podcast. Caleb and Verlinda bring such compassionate insight to marriage while providing incredibly valuable research-based information. Love is patient, love is kind, love never gives up and is always hopeful. If you're looking for advice from a friend who truly understands and embodies this truth and will run all the advice they give you through this filter, OYF is it. This is hands down the best Christian marriage podcast I've been able to find. Caleb and Verlinda, you truly are a blessing to many more people than you know. Aww. I think I'm blushing over here. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. Next week. Uh, we're talking about ejaculatory control for men. That's interesting. 
Yes, it's a topic question from one of our patrons and uh, rarely discussed. Yeah. But looking at the research, a common issue. Cool. One of those things that people uh, want to know about, but uh, don't know who to ask. So is this something that wives should listen to too? Sure. Just for fits and giggles, if nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. That is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 204. Find out how you can help marriages, go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.